Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. When women lead, share performance and profits go up 50%. Results are more powerful when everyone is empowered. This is the insight that brought the four founders of Beyond Barriers together. We came from a diverse set of leadership backgrounds with a common goal, to close the gender gap at work and expand economic opportunities for everyone. Tune in each week as one of us interviews inspiring guests who share stories and cutting edge strategies that will help you learn what helped them go further faster. I feel like so much of my 30s was just raising children and getting through the day. And some of my goal achievement almost happened by accident. And so I only say that going back to, I listen to podcasts like these and so many people are so rigid and they're so motivated because they drink the green juice at four. And it's, I feel like I was successful just being a nice person, trying my hardest, right? And some of these goals, I had them in my head, but I didn't write them down, but I had a North Star. But I got there just by going back to being my authentic self. Have you ever felt the weight of imposter syndrome, that persistent notion that you may not be up to the task of pursuing your ambitious goals? Hi, I'm your host, Brooke Skinner Ricketts, and today we dive into the captivating story of Shannon Duffy, the chief marketing officer at Asana. In this episode, Shannon generously unveils the twists and turns of her career, highlighting a transformative moment that propelled her toward authentic leadership. Join us as Shannon delves into the significance of embracing one's true self within the dynamic realms of leadership. Visit gobeyondbarriers.com where you will find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best ways to get in touch with our special guest. Shannon, thank you so much for joining me today on our Beyond Barriers podcast. If you wouldn't mind starting by introducing yourself with your name, what you're doing now, and maybe a little bit of the story that we wouldn't read if we Google stalked you or checked you out on LinkedIn. I'm Shannon Duffy. I am currently CMO of Asana. I, what do you don't know about me? I love Britney Spears. I just got back from BravoCon. I love reality TV. I don't usually uh, publicize that about me, but yeah, I love pop culture. Really into that. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. And then maybe a little bit about like your career journey, whether it's a lesson that you've learned along the way or just something that stood out to you as, as you're looking back and forward. What are the pieces that you used to ground yourself? I knew from a very early age that I wanted to be in marketing. Like everyone wanted to be like, I don't know, veterinarians. That was really big or marine biologists. That was also very big. And I didn't really know what marketing was. I think in my mind, it was like advertising. Like I wanted to like work at an advertising agency, but I've always loved marketing. I have no desire to do anything else other than do marketing and be a CMO. And I think what I've learned about marketing is the intersection between art and science. And if you dig into the art side, there is something about how do you build a connection? How do you have, give people the ability to have an emotional response to your product, your narrative, your story? And I will say that the long wind up to my story, which is about you cannot do that well if you cannot be your authentic self. And I think it is hard to be our authentic self, especially for women, at least in my experience, right? That's a generalization, but I may well say from my experience. And I think the story I tell, we talked about this kind of in our prep is, the moment where I like had a fork in the road where I had to decide, do I lean into who I am, what my values, what I truly believe in and be the type of marketer leader that is truly authentic to who I am? Or do I decide to conform into what I thought this world around me, the company I'm currently at, wanted me to behave? And I, I had this moment where I was literally having a panic attack and I called my husband and I was like, I cannot do this. I cannot do this anymore. Because again, I was trying to be something I wasn't. I was trying to conform to a way of being that wasn't authentic to me. And he was just like, just stop, do this for a, a 
this moment of time, which you have to do. And then after that, walk in, quit, do something else, whatever you want to do. And that was a very freeing moment where I like turned off that side of me that was saying, conform, be different, be, be, be this way, act this way, act a way that not only is not authentic to who you are, but it makes you unhappy. And I became what I call the weirdness of me. And once I was able to do that, I became not only a better marketer, but a better leader. And so that's a long way of saying like, the authentic self and how you can truly embrace that, no matter who you are, what you look like, your background is something that's really important to me. That's so cool. And and good for you for doing it. It's a courageous step that I, I think a lot of people dip their toes in and experiment with. How was that received when you came as your full self when you showed up? I think it was, this is the thing that shocked. It was actually received really well. And I can't say maybe on day one, it was received well. But again, it was like the self-fulfillingness of I became happier. I became better at my job and I became more relatable for people who wanted to work for me. And so essentially what I was able to do was actually attract really good, diverse talent because people, I think, saw me being my authentic self and felt that they could be their authentic self. And while they were completely different than I am, they went on this same journey, like authentic self equals the ability to be happier, equals the ability to do better work. And what again, in marketing, doing better work is finding that human emotional connection, which you can't do if you're trying to be something that you're not. So true. I had a, I had an experience where at one point in my career, I was working really hard and everybody said, you know, the feedback was they want, they want more. And I was like, there's no, I can't, there's no more hours I can work. And my good friend, Julie was like, no dummy, they don't want you to work more. They want more of you at work. <laughs> I was like, oh. Which is a whole other thing because I had, I spent my career trying to similarly, like trying to fit a model. But also I think I just, I wasn't always comfortable sharing myself. So, and it sounds like you got to a point, what do you think, and I love that that your partner, your husband is your biggest cheerleader. We had one podcast guest who said her husband looks at her like she's the Michael Jordan of anything she does, which I think is, it's such an important element, right? For every, for so many successful people. But what do you think equipped you to just take that leap? I mean, aside from the wonderful support and being fed up. I think, honestly, I think being fed up and not caring too much, which sounds counterintuitive too, but I was like, I don't care. Once I realized that my value was not based on what this group of people thought of me, my value, like you said, it was my husband, it was my children, friends, it was who I was, my past coworkers. Like, it didn't matter as much anymore. And it was like taking your power. Like, I don't care what you think. I have depowered you and I have given the power back to me and it doesn't matter. And again, when you think of so many things in life, especially I love my job and I love what I do, but I'm not, it's, you got to put it into perspective of kind of what we're doing every day. It, it doesn't matter if some people don't like you and also, I think at some point you reach a point in your career, you're not, everyone cannot like you. And so try to make everyone happy is a losing proposition. And the only person that makes unhappy is yourself. So it sounds like you always wanted to be a marketer. Did you always want to be a leader? Did you always want to, like, did you see yourself in a C-level role from early on? I think I did. Like, my husband loves me. My parents were always the parents that you can do anything. Even when I was younger, I was just in leadership roles. So I think, yeah, like, it was, I didn't think I would lead as many people and as big teams, if that makes sense. Like, I remember I, in my past role, I had a really large team and I would look around like, how did this happen? It's one day you wake up and you have all these people working for you. But I think leading is, is similar. Like when people come to me, they're having career conversations and they're like, they always say like when their people are getting to this inflection point in their career, they say, I want to manage people. And I always say to them, why do you want to manage people? And so often it is like, well, I feel like I'm at that stage and it's a good time for me and me and me. And I'm like, if that's your 
perception of leadership or management, you're not ready to do it because leadership, management, whatever you want to call it, is such a responsibility to the people that you are leading, the people that you're managing. You have to, again, you have to care enough to do it. And if you don't, you shouldn't do it. And I think, again, from early on, like, tend to care about people and, and helping people and growing people. And so that's why I think for me, it was a natural fit. But I think that's also why you have so many people, managers and leaders that maybe aren't as good because they come at it from the what is in it for me, not I have a duty and obligation to grow people, to help them with their careers. I'm their raises that are directly tied to their livelihood, right? Like it is a huge responsibility that shouldn't be taken lightly. We're both marketers. I spent the world writing strategies for giant brands and telling stories. And then when it came to telling my own story, that was like a, a bit of a higher hill to climb for me. So I'd love to hear about you, how you've branded yourself, how you've told your story, how you look at that piece of the puzzle. I think that's a great question. And I will say, honestly, I see so many marketers that probably do it better than me. I've never spent a lot of time intentionally building my own brand, if that makes sense. And I think it's, I love marketers. I love because I've sold to many or marketed to many different buyer types. Like you do a cab or a presentation with like CIOs, for example, which are very thoughtful and methodical. And then you do one with marketers and no one will shut up because to be told everyone and I'm probably one of those people, right? So I say this with love. But I don't think I've intentionally said, this is how I'm going to market myself. These are the opportunities. I think of it, honestly, it's like, I, it's how do I engage with the people that I have managed, the people that I had been on a team with, my former colleagues, right? That's really how I think I built my brand. It's like you show up, you're a nice person, you do good work, and you have a team mentality. And that honestly is the way I think I built my brand through that network and connecting with people, not from this is what I'm going to post on LinkedIn. This is what right. I'm going to post. On. I'm, I'm horrible at that. If you're looking for advice, so that's that you, probably another episode you have because that's not me. But again, it's like I do have a brand and it's just from the human connections that I've had over the years. Yeah. I mean, that's how we got connected, right? Someone who reports to you and has worked with you a number of times said, oh my gosh, you have to meet Shannon. I've been about what we were doing. So it's working. <laughs> what you're doing is working. Yeah. And I actually think, I think that will be a relief for a lot of people to hear. Because I think when we talk about this with the folks that are part of our community, a lot of people are like, well, LinkedIn's not my platform and I don't actually want to be out there. And I think there are lots and lots of ways and it can be within your community. It can be person to person. So I think I think that'll be meaningful for a lot of people to hear that it's actually, it's how you, it's as much how you show up as what you say and do. And not everybody has to be a LinkedIn celebrity. Tell me about resiliency. So this is a, it's a big topic and it's something that obviously when you get to your level, you've probably had many ups and downs in your career. So how do you cultivate re resiliency? Was there a moment when you were like, oh, wow, this is this is a defining moment? I think everyone, I still struggle with it. I think getting older in a weird way actually helps with that because you just realize, you, you realize that so many things that I would freak out about it in my 20s. I'm like, oh no, I know how that story ends and it's all been be okay. So you tend not to get as, and then I think also as you get older, you tend to deal with things that are really more intense. And you're like, okay, again, this is a freak out. This is not. I do think, and this is going to sound cheesy, but one of my favorite quotes is from Finding Nemo is just keep swimming. It's just keep going. I mean, there was a stage, it was, I remember it was 2018. My, my father was in the hospital, very ill. We were moving houses. I had a huge job that was really stressful. And I would be in my car and I would be like, I can't do this. And I would literally be like, just keep swimming, just keep going. Like one foot in the other, go to work, do your first meeting, do your second meeting. And there's something about that I'm in the moment, I'm getting through it right now that is very calming and soothing. And you do that long enough and things get better or, or situations resolve themselves. But it's hard. It is 
it, I, I think, I don't know if anyone has the magic formula, I would know, but I would love to know. But yeah, resiliency is something that I think just takes practice and takes a mindset shift, right? Because it's really easy to not be resilient all the time. Tell me about overcoming fears and limiting beliefs. We do talk about imposter syndrome as a part of what we do. And it's obviously not something that's exclusive to women. Everybody has it at certain junctures. It's structural, it's systematic, and it's real. So we'd love to know how you've encountered or, or pushed through some of those overcome those limiting beliefs. So everyone has imposter syndrome. That's what I tell, like, including me. And I think a little bit of imposter syndrome is not bad for me. Because what it does for me is make me push, try, and not be complacent that my past is any indication of how successful I will be on the future. But I feel like there's a spectrum. And as long as I keep my imposter syndrome here, it's good. I try not to get it like, oh my goodness, I shouldn't be in this room. I have nothing to say. I'm not as good as people around me. And so that's like the balance I have in myself. But again, here's the thing. Like when I was younger, I thought all these people with these big jobs, like had everything figured out. And then you get in the room and you're like, these people don't have it figured out either. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I have imposter syndrome, please don't, because nobody has it all figured out. Some people have more experience, more pattern matching, or got lucky, or are able to hide the imposter syndrome better. But most people, especially most people that are really good at their jobs, have some or somewhere on that spectrum of having it. Yeah, there's something about, I feel like when we get into work, we're trained to be curious in school. And then when you get to work, there's this assumption, I don't know, a lot of people have the assumption that they should know how to do everything, right? And they should know how to do everything really well. And nobody gets to the top that way. So I think that's a great point of perspective. And you're absolutely right, especially at the highest levels. It's more about options than having, you know, all the answers. Exactly. So I think re reframing it that way is super. And no, I don't have all the answers. In fact, what's something that irritates me is when someone is trying to convince me they have the answer when they don't. When a better situation was like, I don't know, let's figure this out. Or can you help me? Or this is what I need versus trying to convince me that they have an answer that they don't have. I always, I'm a fan of strong opinions held loosely, right? Like yeah, always totally. one of you walk in and be willing to be right and be willing to be wrong. But the important piece is like being in that conversation. That's where the growth happens. What if you knew exactly where to focus to go further faster? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers and the ability to take action and gain unstoppable momentum to deliver results in advance. Take the Beyond Barriers Momentum Metric Quiz to get a personalized report on the five C's, core categories used to measure and accelerate success. Visit gobeyondbarriers.com slash quiz to get your report today. Tell me about your days. Do you have habits or rituals that kind of help you along the way, whether it's BravoCon or a cup of tea or a special something that you do for yourself? I love my habits. I actually, I don't like when my kind of routine is. So I uh, go into the office three days a week. And so wake up, get dressed, drive into the office. We have a beautiful little cafe in our lobby and I get my coffee and I go up and I like to have, I need 30 minutes before I get into a meeting. So I always make sure I get to the office 30 minutes because I just need to catch up, go through, go through things. And then I tend to go really hard during the day, if that makes sense, because, and I started this when my kids were little because I wanted to leave at five, right? And so there was, there's no, I don't touch my desk. I don't do a lot of coffee chats because it's no, from 8.30 to 5, 5.30, whatever it is, I need to get everything done. I come home and I usually, my kids are older now, I went up to the college, so only one kid, it's very strange. But having those few hours where it's not, it's just, I'm not looking at my phone. I need to focus on my family, eat dinner. I'm not, I do not cook. 
and I see this if you're for to if you have fellow working parents or working moms, like for years, like I feel guilty about that. And I realized like something had to give and it was the planning and the cooking that just put me over the edge. And I'm like, you know what? We're a takeout family. Sometimes my husband will cook every once in a while. Like during COVID, I would cook, but that's so we usually order takeout from somewhere we eat. I shower at night, which people think is really weird, which maybe that's too much information for your podcast, but it's like a, it's like a ritual for me, like shutting down the day. And then I get mad and I have an hour where I watch complete garbage television, Bravo, TLC, 90 Day Fiance, big fan. And then I do it again the next day. And it's, it makes my routine makes me very happy. Tell me about goal setting. How do you set and achieve your goals? Are you, do you have a, a methodology or do you have a, a process that you follow? Well, I'm lucky. So from a work perspective, I use Asana, so I'm CMO of Asana. The thing I love about it is you're able to track the goals. So from a work perspective, it's actually made my life so much easier. And from a personal, like I do the whole, I look at my life and my career really in six to 12 month increments. And I'm like, what do I want to accomplish in the next six months? What do I want to accomplish in the next year? Like I want to be a CMO by the time I'm this age. I feel like so much with my 30 was just raising children and getting through the day. And some of my goal achievement almost happened by accident. And so I only say that going back to, so I listen to podcasts like these and so many people are so rigid and they're so motivated and they drink the green juice at four. And, they, and it's, I feel like I was successful just being a nice person, trying my hardest, right? And some of these goals, I had them in my head, but I didn't write them down. I wasn't like, but I had a North Star, but I got there just by again, going back to being my authentic self. I think that's so pertinent for so many people um, who are in our community because we have a lot of working parents at every stage uh, uh, and every age. And, you know, it doesn't take away your ambition, but it changes the way you show up. In terms of building relationships, like what role has that played? I mean, a lot of folks, especially when you're when you have kids, networking feels like a nice to have, but but that doesn't mean that you can't build strong relationships that can impact your career. So I'd just love to hear your experience there and your approach there, given the full life that you lead. I think building relationships, like, again, it's mostly done through work. Like, one of the pieces of advice I gave people at my old company, which was bigger, I was like, think of every interaction you have as a job interview, right? Because what happens in, in tech, I feel, and most of the jobs I've gotten in my life have been from people who have known me or who recommended me to someone versus like me submitting a, a, a resume. And it's, if you have a positive interaction with someone and you show up and you know what you're doing and you're helpful, you're collaborative, you're positive, you're self-starting, those people naturally will go on and do other things or move to other parts of a company or a different company. And they will say, oh, who do I know that's really good at X? And they will say that I remember that time that person showed up, maybe not in one meeting, but on that project. And that's how I, again, I've grown my network that way. I've gone to a lot of some CMO stuff and I've met people, but I feel like the most authentic and the most real connections come from actually doing work with someone either in your company or cross-functionally working on projects. That's how they truly get to know you and people feel like they can recommend you or hire you for other things. I love thinking about that, thinking about interactions that way, because I think people segment the two, like this is my work and this is my sort of like network building. And you're right that they're they're in the same bucket. And I really like, I mean, I think the stat is 70% of jobs come from a personal referral. So yeah, I can totally yeah, see that. 100%. And the people that I've hired multiple times are people who I've been in the trenches with, because that's who you want around you. And then tell me about mentors and sponsors. Do you have a board? Do you have a mentor? Do you have a sponsor? How's, what has that looked like for you? I, I definitely have what I call Shannon Duffy, like board of directors, which I think many people do. I, I was really blessed that my my previous employer, I worked at Salesforce for a very long time, 
there were so many just fantastic women, but under, but men too, that you just build these deep relationships with and they go on to do fantastic things. Many are CMOs. Like I can count on, I can name 10 amazing CMOs in Silicon Valley that came from Salesforce that I was very bonded with because we did some sort of similar jobs. And so I'm very lucky to have them because they're people that have a shared life experience who have similar jobs, not some of them, not all of them have families or children that are similar ages. So you have that. Am I crazy? Am I not crazy? What did your CFO say to you? Is this a normal thing? So it's really nice to have that network. But I've also been blessed. I mean, one of my best mentors and sponsors and advocates is someone who's much older than me, who was been at Silicon Valley when I was like a child. And I still see him for breakfast and he is fantastic. And we're like this odd couple because he's, we're just so different, but he is a fantastic mentor. And I love talking to him because his perspective is so different than mine. And he will call me out and be like, well, did you think of it that way? And be like, no, he'll be like, well, you should. And it's, it's nice to have those people that are so different. And it just, how do you think of things in, in different ways? And so again, I've just been very lucky I work with people who have become my mentors, have become my sponsors, become my advocates. I, that's a, that's such important advice too to look for people who have a really different perspective because part of it, it's a sounding board, it's a mirror, but also great coaches again they ask the right questions at the right times. <laughs> and so so get how did you get how did you get connected with him? So we worked together. So he okay. was my GM at, at on the platform, John Wookie. I don't know if he listens to podcasts. He's fantastic. And I was his head of marketing. And so again, we built a relationship that way. And we've just kept in touch. And again, we talk about resilience, like watching him just navigate these situations with such, just such calm and ease and no drama. Again, you're like, okay, I, I see, I, I, I can model that behavior. I can see what resilience looks like, what good looks like, what leadership looks like. And again, we just, we keep in touch to this day. It's, he's a fantastic person. And then how about when you need help? Do you have, do you reach out? It sounds like you've got a bat phone with a number of CMOs on it, but, but when you're stuck, what do you do? So I, I think vulnerability is actually a strength of leadership. And I, mean, I don't think that's a profound statement. I'm sure many people believe it, but I think it depends on what the situation is. I think that is a really good time to ask your leaders to, right? And if you go back, I've subscribed a lot to the multiplier's philosophy of management or leadership. And one of the things is I give you a problem and not a solution. There have been times in my career where there's been like a hairy thing that we've had to solve. And I will bring my leaders and be like, this is what we have to solve. I do not know how we're going to do it, how we're going to find the resources, but let's come together and you would be surprised. I'm, a, I'm always delightfully surprised at how people can really rise to the occasion. Not always fun in that moment. And it is definitely a test of like your own leadership and your leaders and if you hired the right people. But usually there is always a way, but you have to admit that you don't have the answers and you need other people to, to help you figure it out. And then tell me about Asana. Tell me about like why Asana feels like home for you right now. Yeah, Asana is fantastic. So I had been at Salesforce a long time, 12 years, and I love Salesforce. I learned so much. I had so many relationships. I had so much fun. Salesforce definitely made me the marketer that I am today. And for that, I'm ever grateful. But I'd been there a really long time. And I knew I always wanted to be a CMO, right? I knew that was like my ultimate career goal. And I remember telling my bosses, my mentors, I said, I will leave Salesforce someday. And it's not because I'm angry in Salesforce or it just, I will come to a point where I want to do something else and I will want to be a CMO. And I talked to a ton of companies. I was very picky about where I went. And I chose Asana for three reasons. One, the product. I felt I was the 
we're covering product marketer. And so product and we have a good product and we have a market fit and seeing Asana, which really helps companies connect their work to their people, their teams, their goals. I mean, like we didn't have something like that at Salesforce. And I'm like, oh my God, we are a huge company that is running things on spreadsheets. And here's this really elegant tool that helps connect things in, in totally different ways and makes work so much easier. So I'm like, hey, Jack, love the product. The people, I love the leadership team. I love the management team. Like they're just great humans who are really experts in their craft. So that was Chuck. And then the purpose, like Asada is, it is a tool for companies to use, but the mission is to help humanity thrive by making work easier. We work easier. It frees up our mind to do these things, to solve these problems that will really help humanity. And so I thought that was really important, really special. I've been here nine months and it's been fantastic. It's been, there's been high highs, low lows. It's hard to leave a company after so long and going somewhere new, but it's been overall um, a great experience. That's cool. Cool. I'm so happy for you and for them. That <laughs> sounds awesome. Well, let's do the lightning round questions. Tell me about a book that has greatly influenced you. I would say The Multipliers, which is like my management, which is the whole, if you haven't read it, I'm sure everyone has, but it's give everyone a job one size too big, believe in them, support them, be enable them to do great work and people always rise to the occasion. Do you have a favorite quote or saying that you, I mean, my favorite about? quote, and I say it in my dark times, the times I'm not being resilient, this, I say this quote to myself, I say, right now, someone else is praying for something you take for granted. And I probably tell myself that, I mean, I haven't actually, I've been in a good space. I haven't needed that one, but when I'm in really dark and I'm like, yes. And there's something very powerful about that. My mentor used to say, the only people who can complain about work are those who are gainfully employed. <laughs> And then how about a moniker or a title that you would give yourself? Oh, my goodness. I refer to myself as weird a lot. So maybe that. A lovable <laughs> weird. Entertaining weird. Effectively weird. And then what's one habit, behavior, action that you've, that you've adopted that's made your life better? I started doing yoga do it during the pandemic. And it's not like the crazy yoga, more like the relaxing yoga. And I'll do that sometimes at night when I'm stressed. What's your, so your power song, what do you ask to be played when you walk up on stage? Stronger by Britney Spears. Anything else that you carry around with you every day or that you think would be great if more people knew from you? Just be your authentic self. Everyone is faking it in some degree. Uh, your opinions and your thoughts are valuable. So when people ask you for them, make sure you feel empowered to speak up. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend, or share what you've learned on LinkedIn and tag us. We love hearing from our audience. Visit us at gobeyondbarriers.com, where you can subscribe and find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests. 